0: This is the Rappaport Diamond Podcast, and now your host, Avi Kravitz. This podcast is brought to you by De Beers Group Ignite, pioneering a new diamond world through groundbreaking innovation, science, and technology. Inspired by the world's unrelenting change, Beers Ignite is driven to develop creative solutions for the diamond industry, not only for existing challenges, but also for those it may never have faced before, helping you to achieve growth with efficient and accurate technologies throughout the diamond pipeline. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rapport Diamond Podcast. My name is Avi Kravitz, and with me in discussion for the next half hour or so is none other than Sonia Esther saltani Rapport's editor in chief and Joshua Friedman, the news editor. Welcome to our first episode of twenty twenty two guys.
1: Hi Avi. Hi Joshua. Happy
2: New Year. Hi, Abby. Hi Sonia. Happy New Year.
0: Great to see you. I was actually resisting the temptation to wish you a happy new year because um this is gonna the, the episode's gonna be published two weeks into the New Year and to um, borrow <laughs> to borrow from Mary David, I think. <laughs> There's a shelf life to the greeting, to the right?
1: You can wish Happy New Year until the end of January. That's European custom. So, oh, is that yes. the, yeah.
0: oh, is that the rule? Okay. I'm, I'm not sure if the, the British would agree with that, um, Joshua.
1: Well, I said European. Good
0: question. <laughs> right, ah. true. I do have a question for you, though, because um, what an annoying phrase do you never hear in January? You never hear, can you believe it's already January in January? <laughs> until two weeks ago, <laughs> until two weeks ago, all you heard was, "Can you believe it's already December? Can you re- believe it's already Christmas, New year, time flies?" And that's something you never hear in January. Um and I guess for obvious reasons the 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 year is ahead, and uh, and it seems that time is not going to fly, um looking twelve months ahead. but um, I don't know, uh, Sonia, Joshua, have you, Do you have any special plans or or resolutions that you've made for for the coming year, Sonia?
1: I don't like the word resolution anymore. I prefer intention or manifestation, you know, just sending the energy out there.
0: Edging your bets.
1: Yes, exactly. And also, I think we recorded this podcast for a few years now. And every time we, we had this conversation, I must have said something along the line of slow down or take more time or, you know, and... I think we all know it never happens. So I'm not going to say it for 2022. Um, my intention is to spend more time in, in education, uh, both for myself to, to grow my knowledge of gemology, hopefully. And, uh, to develop more educational programs for, for readers and followers. So that's, that's my big intention, education.
0: It's a great goal. And we won't hold you to it, so don't feel any pressure. But uh, I think it's a it's a worthy intention either way. <laughs>
1: that's the thing, the pressure from resolution. <laughs> <laughs> but not to start a podcast with all our, you know, thousands of listeners. That's it. It's out there.
2: <laughs> How about you, Joshua? I am... Um it's a bit of a cliche, but I, whenever we make resolutions, I think we, uh, at least I, I usually fail to, to achieve them. So um, for that reason, I think my resolutions this year are to put on weight, do less exercise and take up
0: smoking. <laughs> I would say that you could do with a, bit, a few extra pounds <laughs> from Thank one. You. Uh... Thank you and one underweight, uh, undernourished journalist to another. <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if it was the other way around and I was overweight,
2: you wouldn't have been able to get with uh, get away with that. But, uh, yes.
0: How
1: <laughs> <laughs> about you, Avi? How is 2022 going to change for you? Why are you going to change this year?
0: Well, I have made a resolution to be more, more active on social media. And... Um, I'm, I'm trying so far to live up to that. I, um, I uh, opened a new Instagram account and I have one picture posted. And, um, I suddenly feel this obligation to all the people that followed me very kindly, all 50 of them, I think to put more pictures up and I feel like they're waiting with greater, great anxiety and <laughs> for my, for my next post, but I, I'm struggling already with the Instagram, but um, I am. I am. Uh, I do have the intention to up my my social media game for this. Year.
1: So, on behalf on behalf of your 50 followers, Avi, yes, we're waiting for another picture. And if you don't follow Avi already, it's Avi Kravitz, simple on Instagram. This is it. Thanks
0: for the plug, Sonia. But uh,
1: not shameless. The plug.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's um. It's all about um increasing our network i think and uh and you know we've been, we've been sitting at home and uh, uh in front of our laptops for the last two years and i really think it's about time that we really made an effort to get to know each other's other a bit better and um be a bit uh for more meaningful connections i think this year that's uh that's my wish to the world really so far it's um it's hope it gets off time has flown in january already so so hopefully the, right. the momentum will continue. Can't believe it's so it already the 4th of January. Yeah. <laughs> so so Joshua, the um the, the the joke is that it's 2022, um t w o um and, and kind of a repeat of, of of 2020. Um the way the year started, we've suddenly been inundated with uh with these sort of coronavirus um uh affected events. Um and one or two of the trade shows have already have already um, been affected. Um, those that are that were planned for January. Do you want to just give us an update on some of those events, those industry events that um, seem to have um, made plans but um, have had to change them because of the Omicron uh, variant?
2: Sure. So I mean, firstly, we've seen a few events in the US have been cancelled, um, some awards events and things like that that. Uh, they were hoping they would finally happen this early this year but it hasn't happened um in terms of trade shows so the um the IIJS in India so that's the India International Jewelry Show so there the what uh, an edition of the show that they call the signature edition was going to take place this January but that's been postponed and we don't have a new date for that yet um mm-hmm. and then there's also the uh, the Vicenza Oro show in Italy which is a uh, Quite a popular jewelry show. Um, they did actually manage to hold one late twenty, about September 2020, um, and uh, that there was that there was plans for one in uh, in January, and that's also been pushed off now till March. Um, but obviously, as someone mentioned in our, one of our news meetings a couple of days ago, that's how it all started in early 2020 with shows being postponed by two months, three months, and uh, many of them ended up not happening. Right. So. This uncertainty remains. Obviously, the traders managed to deal without a lot of these shows. I think it got quite a boost from JCK last year, but uh, but still, it's um, you know, the, the industry knows how knows now how to deal, how to trade online, how to trade without uh, without these shows. But uh, it's an important event on the year. These shows, so uh, I think the industry will want.
0: I, I do think that it's just a matter of bad timing for these particular events. Um, that, uh, that 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 they coinciding with this 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 next wave of infections and um, I mean I'm no <laughs> I think the one thing we've learned uh, from from the from the last two years is never to make predictions about the pandemic. But it seems that there one would think that the lesson from 2021 with regard to these trade shows is that they can take place, and it just was really a matter of. Finding the right time and and the right um, and the and then having the right procedures in place that that enable people to to attend.
2: That's a very good point. Yes, um, maybe January wasn't the, the time for optimism, but uh, yeah, if we can if they can work out when the, when the next trough is going to be. Then that will be a good
0: time. If January is not the time for, for optimism with all the New Year's resolutions. When, <laughs> when is right? Yeah. Um, so, are there any are, are there any sort of shows and and trade events that pick out for you in the in the calendar? Moving, you know, looking ahead to the next twelve months. You know, when do we start to, to look at the really, really important events that are going to set the tone for the industry for the year?
1: Well, I think, the um, I mean, by the time this podcast is released, might be changed, but the antique show in Miami, which is a big thing for um, estate jewellery, is still planned for January. Um, people I know are still planning to go and still, you know, seems to to be happening. So hopefully, I hope for, for the exhibitors and the, and the visitors because... Um, that that would be that would be nice to see it really starting again um james geneve i said they're coming back in uh in may early may um i think watches at wonders is happening in geneva also in i think it's in april um and it's you know it seems like the european shows are, are coming back but I, I think we all agree that jck is really the jck back in june um, this year would be the, I think the the really exciting one on the on the agenda. What, what do you think, Evie?
0: Yeah, well, the one event that's still missing from the calendar are those Hong Kong shows. The year used to be structured around the March Hong Kong show, then JCK, and then the September show. And it doesn't look like the 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 March Hong Kong show anyway is going to take place. But I would agree with you. I think once once those European shows and i think it'll, it'll be strange to go back into a, a a calendar routine without the basel show without basel world that has been cancelled or discontinued maybe that's that's a better word i think um once those european events um start to take place it'll get the momentum going and people people will start to feel more comfortable about um about attending.
1: There's also a new show in Dubai. I think in um, in February.
0: That's right.
1: I think uh, is it. I can't remember the date, but I think you know it's going to um, to be a B2B show, and um, it's new. And they they hope to become the I think the the new Hong Kong show for the region, from from what I understand. Mm,
0: and and that's going to co- coincide with the uh, with the Dubai Diamond Conference. And um, there's a whole program of events that are taking place at the same time. Um, there's the World Diamond Congress, I think it's the WFGB and uh, and Diamond Manufacturers Association meetings. And so there's a whole slew of events that are taking place towards the end of February in, in Dubai. Um, and. A lot of people, I think, within the trade are, are um, considering attending that, although at the moment for us, um, at least, I think, you know, the UAE is on the red list still. So, so there is still some limitations, but we know how, how quickly these things can can change. Um, so, but hopefully it'll be a nice opportunity to meet up with people. So yeah, that, that's looking that's looking ahead a bit at what uh, in terms of the events. But um, we just got off the the holiday season, and we were talking today in our in our editorial meeting, which we have every morning, about some of the the holiday trends that we've picked up from talking to retailers. Our um, our wonderful reporter, a senior reporter, uh, Liam Maravich, he has been talking to, to some retailers on um and picking up some interesting trends on on what sold and what did well in 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 the holiday season um you know what, what were some of those um points that, that leah made
1: yeah as you said um avi leah spoke to a lot of um, of retailers and they seem to all say the same that really um people wanted big diamonds or bigger diamonds bigger size uh, bridal was very popular which is normal it's the season uh we are really in the in the middle of the engagement season people are getting more engaged and uh planning their wedding for next year and um and i think a very interesting trend to to notice and, and highlight is really the lab grown the rise of lab grown and how cons- consumers are happy to to buy a lab grown stone as long as it's bigger it seems like the size of the stone is what directs the the decision they see a bigger stone for a lower price relatively i think you know so they they seem to be very interested in a in a in us in a category
0: mm. well i think she actually was um she was uh referring also to just general jewelry out of you know made from lab right? you know your your tennis bracelets and um you know the pendants whatever it is that um, really took uh gained a lot of traction during during the season um which i think was interesting um she actually uh, w- what we were discussing um earlier today was that bridal um didn't seem to be as strong as we we thought um that many of the retailers maybe it's a december thing that people have already um bought their engagement rings um, and are ready to propose during the holiday season. Um, and then there's no. I don't know. If, I don't know if if December is a wedding time. Maybe it's just before the wedding, the wedding season in the in the United States. But that that bridal um slowed down somewhat during um during the last month.
1: I think it used to be the engagement time because people would travel to see their family. Um, they would be on holidays, so that would yeah. You know, that would make the occasion a bit more a bit more festive. I think. But now that people are not traveling, maybe it's also, it has an impact also maybe on uh, on this.
0: Yeah, I, th- I thought it was um, interesting and maybe a surprising takeaway that um, I think Lea Le is going to write about, um, that uh, bridal was not as strong as people thought. Although there was, as you mentioned, there was a general shift towards bigger stones and, and people compromising on quality in, in favor of size. So um, willing to take a, a lower color diamond or, or lesser clarity stone in order to gain on the, on the size. I, I wonder, Joshua, if that says anything about, about, ours, about society, if, that's, if there's any cultural thing that we can read into that? Are people a bit more, um, what's the word, ostentatious? Um, and and wanting to show off after now that they're a bit out and about again could be i remember
2: hearing from someone a couple of years ago about the the lab grown issue that there's a if you take someone that would normally afford say a one carat stone and because they buy lab grown they're able to buy a three carat or a four carat stone or let's say you take a two carat and put it's lab grown you turn it into an eight carat or whatever it is you get a bit of a there's a kind of social clash there that someone's wearing something that doesn't quite look like it's appropriate for his or her social status.
0: Mm -hmm. I don't
2: know, maybe maybe people aren't so concerned about that. What do you think, Avi?
0: Well, I think think people would, would be happy to to create an illusion that they have a higher social status right, right. <laughs> and if, if their jewelry can, can play a role but right. um, I, I don't know if people are looking at it and um, and making and, uh, making a judgment call on you know on that uh, on that level.
1: Have you seen you remember we have these conversations very often in news you um, it happens maybe once twice a month there's always a story in the news about naming and shaming um, the poor person who offered, an engagement ring with a diamond was too small. There's, you know, there's a whole subculture of this type of forums where people are telling each other, this ring is too small, this diamond is too small. I can see the pressure, you know, to move from a half carat to a carat and a half diamond very, very easily. You're right, you're right. Especially in the time of social media where, you know, you want to to show off your ring. So it makes sense. I, I feel it makes sense that people are going, if they can... The lab-grown diamond equivalent.
0: I can see the uh, the appeal of such a website. It's um, yeah. <laughs> for its entertainment value, um, at at least. It's uh, it's kind of a uh, a nasty premise, though. I would <laughs> I would I would say. But um, I, I actually, I mean, you do we we do hear every now and then of you know these kind of tabloidy type of stories where the bride said no because the because the diamond is too small. Um, and that's when, from a guy's point of view, you think well she she wasn't worth a bigger diamond in the first place
1: but... <laughs> I, I agree i agree Evie. I would rather have a half a carrot uh that you know from the right person than
0: we hope you all agree on this <laughs> on this point um <laughs> Uh, you know, speaking of smaller diamonds, Joshua. Um, we spoke in the last um, in our last podcast conversation about the the rise and uh, in um, in popularity of smaller stones and the in the sort of moment that um, smaller and less and lower value diamonds are having in the market at the moment. And um, you published your piece on in the magazine for um, was it the the December issue? January issue, the January issue, sorry, and uh, also on Diamonds dot net, and um, you've had a few uh, more, a bit more insights since our last conversation about um, this trend. What is uh, what? What else is pushing those um, more and lower value goods up? I mean, everyone in in the
2: in the market has really observed this strong demand in the last three months or so. So, like the, really, really, the final quarter of 2021 for Uh, the, both the small goods and the low quality goods. So the, the kind of sweet spot is the small, low quality goods. And we're talking under 20, 30 points. So the, you know, melee and the very small stones in low colors, low clarities. And it seems that the, I mean, there's a, there's a few things that are affecting this. One of them is just despite what we've said about big stones, about, uh, you know, the people wanting to buy, uh, Larger stones. The, the the core driver of demand in the U.S. is the lower end. So the average diamond quality in U.S. diamond jewelry is lower than, say, in in China. So the when the U.S. is strong as it has been in almost an unprecedented way in the last year, um, for the various reasons that I think have been discussed at length about extra you know, government stimulus, extra spending that that's not going towards travel, all these things, people being bored and at home, they that stronger US demand has just meant that demand for those smaller and particularly low-colour, low-clarity goods has been very strong. And that's kind of come at the same time as a bunch of other factors. So there's, there's also a, a lot less supply of, uh, of these goods at the moment. Argyle, which you know the, the largest diamond mine in the world, shut down at the end of 2020. And that produced huge volumes of low quality goods and that's now all not in the market all out of the market and uh, the other other mines in the world are not don't really have enough production to compensate for that so there's a there's a there are shortfalls there and there's also the a trend that we saw originally so immediately when the, the industry started recovering we saw stronger demand for larger goods because the I think we did mention this in the podcast last time that the the manufacturers in india where obviously most of most diamonds are manufactured at the beginning they had quite low capacity there because of social distancing and things like that they were only able to work with much less than full capacity and when you don't have that many workers you want to focus on the high value goods that give quick profits so um, they focus on the larger goods and higher value goods which um are able to you know, bring in revenue faster and prices of those goods went up and then uh, you know both in the polished and in the rough and then when there was a, you know, a big increase in demand us demand in 2021 uh, there was a big lack of these smaller lower quality polished goods in the market because the manufacturers hadn't really been producing them so we had we had this kind of combination of supply and demand factors that led to this very very uh, strong fourth quarter of last year, unless when I say strong, I mean, in terms of how prices performed, um, not, not so happy if, if your job is to source goods, because uh, traders, retailers and dealers have been reporting that it's been extremely hard to replace sold inventory.
0: It does seem that the 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 B two B trade sort of ebbs and flows, as um, between categories, you know, as you said, that the the larger goods at their moment has uh, in the initial recovery, and then and then there was the supply issue with the, the smaller goods. Um, I do I do want to tie that into our previous discussion about um, consumers, you know, moving to lower quality but bigger diamonds. Um, so so that could possibly fit into that narrative that they are going for lower price points or compromising on quality um, to gain size. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know if it fits into the trend that you're picking up on, Joshua, because that's also talking about relay, you know.
2: You know. I, d- I don't have at my fingertips the, the info on how strong the large low qualities have been other than the anecdotal stuff that we've That we've discussed, but certainly what the what the dealers I spoke to are reporting is that it's really the it's the smalls and low qualities. For example, it's not it's not just the engagement rings, but it's also the the fashion jewelry. Someone that I interviewed mentioned uh, said that he's seen especially strong uh, demand for Cuban chains, which are these big. Ne- very large le- necklaces featuring a chain containing many small diamonds. I mean, these, these things can cost a huge amount of money, but they can also, the starting price would be maybe $3,000. Uh, and someone told me that one of these things could have up to 50, 50 carats in total weight of diamonds, and that's you know, particularly... In-
0: or, a, or a piece of jewellery with a pavé setting that, that would also require that um, those smaller goods in... Um, right right in the, um set, set in the in the design right whenever
2: you be strong for that though.
0: um it's it's very interesting i wonder as we've asked before what's you know how that will play out and what will what will come next especially now in the first quarter where we are expecting a um rise in in diamond trading as the the jewelers restock after the holiday season and there's a Chinese New Year that's coming up and something to look, look out for. There's, then there's Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, all these um, special events and, and then the wedding season. so um, I would expect that in 2022 the the, the market finds some sort of balance um, and right. after we've gone through the recovery of 2021 I think
2: although I, I, I'm still unclear what the what the balance is going to be because we've been used to a certain pattern of the year. Where you get post-holiday restocking early in the year, and then you get a bit of a slowdown in in uh, usually the second quarter, um, and then things pick up after the JCK and, and and the summer for the holidays. But one thing that kind of set a bit of an alarm bell was that usually December is a very strong month for rough because people obviously the rough the rough market precedes the polish market by a bit. So when when you get you know, the, the the big demand for polished is in the the fourth quarter, but the the real the the strongest month for the strongest months for pre-holiday rough demand is around September October time just before Diwali also in India, right. and then Dece- then India shuts down for Diwali, and then December is a is usually quite a, one of the strongest months of the year with because um, manufacturers are restocking in preparation for. January, February, when they know there's going to be strong restocking demand for retailers, nice. yeah. but we know, but and, and that's usually one of the strongest. December is usually one of the biggest, the beers sites of the year, but it wasn't this year. The December 2021 site was quite small, and the beers, the said it, said it was because um, uh, their southern African manufacturing factories were preparing to shut for the holidays, and we were discussing this in the office a couple of weeks ago that there's that's certainly plausible that more more of, their, more of their goods are being manufactured in places like Botswana than was the case in previous years, but still I, I, I wouldn't have expected such a slowdown in, in december I didn't, I didn't realize that there was such such a shift there.
0: The, the skeptic in me um, says uh, you know that it may be a warning for January because January then you know, maybe there, were, there, there was there, there's less. Fewer goods that came onto the market in December, creating the sort of uh, appetite for rough, and, in, and so in January there will be a real strong demand for for rough, and I think um, we would expect a, a bigger site. And, and January is also usually a big site, but I think we can expect a big site in January. And I think it will be interesting to see what happens with pricing and on the rough side in in January. I think, and because of because there was less rough that came to the market in December, which is, as you said, is a, usually a stronger month. Um, it might give um, impetus to to raise prices in January, but we'll have to see. And, uh, and then that cycle, that, that normal cycle will, will set in play again. But um, from big diamonds to small diamonds to no diamonds at all, we've been having discussions about um, non-fungible tokens and using the diamond market as uh, as an NFTs, and I still can't get my head around it. But I, I know, uh, you know, I know, Sonia, you've been working on a story for the for the magazine, I think, about some um, uh, diamond NFTs or diamond artwork used as NFTs. Do you have any clarity for me? <laughs> Unintended, maybe. <laughs>
1: So, we were very privileged, uh, the three of us, um, a few weeks ago to have uh, an interview with um, Aelu Walia, who's a designer, um, a jewelry artist, a diamond artist. She does beautiful paintings with diamonds. And um, and she launched the first jewelry, a diamond art NFT collaboration with uh, Eric Jens. It's on OpenSea, the platform for NFTs. And, um, and one of the questions we ask her is why a piece of art and not a jewelry line, like, you know, we, we, it could be something interesting for the industry. And she says, because it creates for the artist is to, to have the world know about her art. Um, at the beginning, NFTs are very much for artists. For copyright issues, it creates this digital community, gives you access to information about the artist, to all the metadata and everything. And it's, it's quite exciting because Bulgaria has done it in a, also in a piece of art, uh, the first NFT. And um, at the beginning, I was thinking, oh, it's just for people who like trainers, you know, like uh, this digital first generation that likes to collect trainers. So it makes sense, you know, when Nike buys a big um, NFT company, there's, you know, there's this big world where people like not to have uh, physical ownership, but they like to have digital ownership. They can share on their social pl- platforms and and it creates a sense of community as well. If you're part of this NFT chain, like, you know, you have access to specific events and it gives you a lot, a lot of other things. Um, and I think it's very interesting that Sony it's a diamond, you know, like, so you could own this piece of art. I'm looking forward to know, you know, to knowing how it's going to impact the industry a bit further. Is it like you know, jury, big jury companies are going to release NFTs of a collection to see what it's like, what people would like to buy? Um, is it going to be more artistic collaborations the way Bulgaria did it? I don't know. I really, but I'm I'm quite excited about this space as someone who didn't like I did not have any idea about bitcoins, but it's all about cryptocurrency. So I'm also trying to catch up. I think you know. It's a very interesting way to to share ownership of specific good and uh, and curation.
0: I, I think we we will need to um, have maybe bring Rina on onto the podcast. Hint hint, Rina, if you are listening, <laughs> but we love her and I'm sure she she will have no problem. You know, within the space of a few weeks, we saw there was Rena and Eric's um, um, collaboration. There was the Bulgari. Um, NFT, And I think it was also um, HB Antwerp, Joshua, is that right, that, that brought out a um, an, an diamond M- NFT as well. And what you mentioned about um, testing the market for for a collection, using that is an interesting angle. I never thought of that, actually. Um, I, I was trying to figure out how companies can use, if this is, you know, it's another market um, that, and, and an asset class that fits into the NFT world, or if it can, in some way, boost um, demand for diamonds and diamond jewelry, if it's going to feed into the market in in that way, and in any you know at all, and uh, it's, it's again not not so clear to me. Yeah,
2: i, I have I have the same questions. Uh, is it primarily a branding thing? Is it just a fad that we're in six months' time we won't be talking about? I'm not. I'm not really sure. I, I'm more in the business of asking these questions at the moment than answering them because
0: I don't really – This is maybe an exclusive for you guys, but I am putting my – the first article that I ever wrote for Rappaport, I'm creating an NFT out of. And I I don't know if an NFT has ever sold for nothing, but (laughs) that's probably what it's worth. That's the question. Can you just create these sort of – these tokens out of any any product or any asset um that that one might uh, be able to think that they can generate a, a demand for we'll we'll have to see and I
1: think it's interesting for in terms of copyrights because you know if you're the artist or the writer, you would get um every time your article will be sold to another person to another person you still earn something from it so nice. I think for young artist who's starting as very interesting. I feel that's really a, a really nice potential. My, my favorite one or the one that I feel is really interesting is the community aspect of it mm. that, you know, you're part of this blockchain or this chain of ownership and you have access to specific information, maybe from your favorite band, you know, like they only sell an NFT for an event or a concert uh, or a song, you know, and you're also for something you know written, the artistic word. Um, I know there's a, uh, there was a very popular sale of uh, NFTs linked to Karl Lagerfeld, the late designer of Chanel, who was very into high-tech and funky stuff like this. And they created a little uh, collection of, uh, of NFTs that sold for 777 euros because that was this lucky number. Hmm. And you know, it generates a lot of buzz and people are part of these Karl Lagerfeld fans and it gives you access to a lot of other things. Once you once you're part of it, so uh, the community aspect, I think, is, uh, is could be very very interesting to watch.
0: Mm, which feeds into, as Joshua mentioned, the the uh, you know the, the branding aspect of it, It does enhance the brand of um, certainly a, a luxury house or or a um, a better known product. I don't want to sound um, skeptical of it because I do think it's a, it's an exciting development. Um, but uh, i i do plead ignorance um, and uh and um uh, it's something i need to learn more about and i think uh, it's it's just the beginning but it's, a, it's certainly a um an exciting prospect i think but it's now the 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 idea of owning something in a virtual world is something that, that uh, maybe is something that I, that i think we all need to to get our heads around but it's going to be a um it's it's, it's not going to go anywhere that's our that's our podcast we've been we've been uh, we've covered a wide range of of topics i don't know if you guys have any sort of message or expectations that you have since it is the first podcast of the of the year what uh what to look out for at least in the, for the rest of January um, or, or for the for 2022. Do you, do you have anything on your mind, Sonia?
1: I saw something very nice on LinkedIn. Um, someone from Sarin posted that he didn't want the year to be about B2B or B2C, but about H2H. So I'm going to borrow that. I thought that was really, really nice. Can you guess what was H2H?
0: Human to human.
1: Yes. And I think, you know, that... <laughs>
0: was
1: out of this and I, I feel like uh, I wish I would have thought of this one. Um, I think it kind of cycled back to everything we said, you know, like uh, being present on social media is not about selling something; it's about connection. Um, even if you go into this metaverse, actually, people feel they they have a stronger sense of connection because they could be anywhere in the world and be part of this. So, um, so yeah, so for me, I would like that a bit more. We we post- the show that been postponed. You know, I think people are very sad. They really wanted to meet in Italy in January. They really, you know, they were looking forward to India, the Indian show. So I hope that we get back to, uh, to you know, that human-to-human connections is going to be the the big theme for 2022.
0: That's that's a great message. Um, I don't know if you can top that, Joshua. You don't have to top it. You can just give what, what's on your mind. <laughs>
2: um, Chinese New Year is on the first of February. So um, I'm very I'm, I'm awaiting with bated breath, I guess, um, the that to see uh, how strong it is. Last year was extremely strong uh, because China was still going through its very strong recovery from obviously the, you know, the COVID, in, in which mostly affected. China in early 2020. The expectations are that it won't be quite as impressive this year because there's been a bit of a slowdown there. And there's also the the Hong Kong market, which seems to have opened up a little bit. But but that market is very dependent on overseas travel, Mm. um, which is severely restricted at the moment. So I think I'll be watching closely uh, the figures for that. And uh, it will also feed into the dealer market uh, after the US holidays. With, with them restocking, the question will be how much demand there will be in the, the first quarter of the
0: year. I do love the contrast between the two of you that Sonia gave us, this philosophical <laughs> uh, message. <laughs> complemented that with a an analysis of the markets. I'm going to try and combine the two because the Chinese New Year, it's the, it's the year of the tiger. And so... I, I think of a tiger as this very proactive and and sort of aggressive animal that really doesn't take um, take prisoners. And I think that's uh, what the world's ready for. That uh, and and what the industry is ready for. We're going to take no pr- prisoners this year, and uh, it's going to be a um, proactive and meaningful year for everyone. So there we go. I, I couldn't help myself. I'm wishing everyone a happy <laughs> new year, even though it's the middle of January. <laughs> but, uh, you got me um, Sonia thanks so much for your insight and for joining us again it was great to chat with you and uh, Joshua to you too thanks so much and uh, we' uh, we'll see you in the office again soon We worked from home today again because of Omicron but uh, we'll be back and uh, and we'll be high fiving I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm um, in the office uh, very soon. I look forward to that Thanks everyone for listening and have a great um, rest of the week and rest of January. Thanks, Avi.
1: Thank you, guys. That was fun.
0: Thanks, Sonia. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Ignite, a full-service innovation science and technology division within the De Beers Group, spearheading step change throughout the diamond industry.